Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel website and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner Welcome back, Gen X Grown Up Podcast listener to episode number 20 of the Gen X Grown Up Podcast. Jeez. I'm John. Joining me as always is Mo. Hey, everybody. And George is here. Hey, how's it going, guys? We are back again. There is some special stuff we have to talk about when we get to media. We are going to dig into Infinity War. Woohoo! <laughs> We're going to talk with some spoilers, but we'll give you some warnings about how to skip it. But before we get into that, we have some stuff to chat about. When I look at the uh, stats on the website, I see there are you know, hundreds and hundreds of downloads. And I assume that George, Mo, and I, we all download about 200 apiece. Yeah, there yeah, of course. <laughs> there's right. one extra left over. We always assume that's the fourth listener, the fourth guy that bothers <laughs> to listen to us. <laughs> the first fourth listener that wrote into us for this show was T2, friend of the show, longtime listener. Hey, T2. He wrote in to say, hey, George, Mo, and John. Really love the podcast. Makes the little driving I do fun instead of nerve-wracking, and I don't mind getting stuck behind snowbirds with your dulcet tones keeping me company. Wow, dulcet tones. Dulcet. It can only be John. Wow. That can't be me. I'm sure he's, he's talking no. about me. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, continue to say he's a huge board game geek. Really enjoyed the discussion about Dark Tower. I oh, never yeah. had it. Do not have any friends who had it, but I did play a lot of Fireball Island, oh. and he goes on to talk about there's a reprint of Fireball Island on Kickstarter that was overfunded in a matter of hours and made him wow. think of us. Oh, nice. Have you guys seen this Fireball Island? No, I haven't. No, I've never heard of it. Oh, you got to check it out. We'll put a link down to the show notes for the Kickstarter. Fireball Island was this like mouse trappy kind of cool game back in the 80s. Uh, I, I never owned it. I knew a buddy that had it. There's like boulders that roll and you were on this board. Anyway, check it out. I, I can't okay. do it justice describing, but when you say mouse trappy, you mean like a lot of physical things actually rolling, not just yeah, like a little, little bit. There's like, if I remember, I like boulders that roll that are supposed to be coming out of the volcano and there's, uh, I forget, there might have been like a like a, a seesaw and stuff like that. There, it's not as big as mouse trap. There was some physical okay. stuff in it. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds cool. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, so it has this resurgence and somebody got the right I guess, and they're doing a new issuing of it on Kickstarter. Uh, so it made him think of us, and he went on to say he was wondering if you guys played a lot of board games early in life, or if you played them now, and what were some of your favorites. So, I mean, I'll start real quick, and I'll just say absolutely played, always played, and still play a ton of board games. Uh, probably less now that I have all this other adulting to do, but my favorite by far, obviously, was Dark Tower, which I had my buddy across the street that I had, and I never owned, and, and now I do, which is awesome. <laughs> Hand off to you, Mo. What about you? Board game fan? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, the advantage of having three brothers is that board games, you always have plenty of people to play. Always people to play with my family we were big on just like mostly the standard stuff uh, we played a lot of monopoly yeah yeah it was we were pretty cutthroat and games like risk battleship i guess that's a board game technically right it's all the old standards yeah yep, exactly george how about you yeah i mean it was a big thing in our household when i was younger not so much as i got into my teenage years a little bit and we're doing a little bit more baseball and outdoor activities but i do remember one board game in particular that it's kind of off the beaten path for a lot of people it was called payday oh yeah oh, oh yeah yeah yeah. Yep, I remember that one. There were a couple of versions of it, but the version that I had was the one that had the the round shaker with the thin tube at the end of it. And so you would shake the dice in the round part, and then they would slide down in the tube, and then they would line up with the board when you placed it on the board. And you made bets as to where you thought certain things would happen.
would happen and straights and pairs and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And yep. it was probably my father's favorite game as well because of the big gambling aspect for it. So okay. uh, we played that one probably more than even more than Monopoly or any of the others, really. We played that and we played poker a lot. Yeah. The only one I can remember that isn't like a standard you've already mentioned, you know, one of these big Monopoly ones. We used to play a ton of a game. I think it was called Rummy Royal. Is a game had a big mat and it was, uh, George, you made me think of it because... This sounds really familiar. You, you kind of make runs and straights and you... you it's not yeah. really gambling, but it kind of is. And you put bets down on all these different corners and the kings and the straights and the runs and all those things. Right. I remember that like, game. Did you have like a card with playing cards on them or something like that? Yeah, like exactly. Big... Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah. That was always a lot of fun. And that was, yeah, I mean, yeah. was kind of board gamey, but it was more of like a, a... It was a big mat almost that you spread out. But that was another big one that I played as a kid. Haven't played forever, but... D2, thanks for writing in. We always love hearing from that four listener. It's not good to know there's more than just the three of us listening. We sure appreciate it. Yeah. And we have one more message from another, yet another fourth listener. This is like fourth point five listener? What is this? Well, it's, if, if T2 doesn't listen, then this second person does. Oh, so. uh, okay. So when T2 <laughs> takes, a, takes a break from our backtracks on board games, then this guy steps in. That's right. Yep. Oh, uh, okay. Maybe there should be some fanfare here. This was a message in from Corey. Hey, oh. Corey! Hey, Corey! The Corey! The Corey of how many Corys did you get out of your game, Corey, right? Well, you got to explain the Corey system then before you get into the message. Yep. So you know that uh, we base the, our Corey system of video games on our friend Corey, and this is him. This is the guy who says he will not buy a game unless he can get the same number of hours out of it that he paid for it in dollars. So if he thinks yeah, one hour 20 for hours every out dollar. of it, 20 bucks. Five bucks, he better get five hours out of it. It's not worth it. He wrote in, George, you were talking about how you hadn't yet jumped into Far Cry because of uh, your uh, antipathy for the whole you play scenario, right? Yes, <laughs> true. Yeah, I, I like Steam, and it's hard for me to switch back and forth between the two because I'm old, and we don't learn new tricks when we're old. Well, so Corey wrote in. He messaged me uh, earlier today. He said he was catching up on the podcast, and he's listening to the part where George is holding off on Far Cry for Steam. And what he wanted to let you know is you can buy it through Steam and have it in your Steam library. You play keeps a hold of it. You're technically playing it through Steam, but you do have it in your Steam library and it will keep track of your license. What he goes on to say though, with the Far Cry thing, like I said, there's a convenience fee in the Steam library, but I wish the achievements were all Steam also. You play are cocks like that with all their games. <laughs> wow. And you can feel free to quote me on you play being cocks. <laughs> and we will. I'm taking it that he doesn't mean the chicken kind. It's open to interpretation, I would say. Okay. Actually, I don't think it really is. Yeah, I, I think, think it's pretty it clear cut. So <laughs> That's Corey. So anyway, Corey wanted you to know you can get Far Cry inside of Steam. There's no way to get away from Uplay. Uh, and I can vouch, I do have a couple of Uplay games. He's right. You can launch it through Steam. It's going to fire up Uplay in the background but it will let you manage your library and then you know, the whole convenience of, you know, this really lives in this one place. It can still do that for you. All right. Well, we'll still, we'll have to take this offline so you guys can instruct an old dog in these new tricks about <laughs> whether I buy no it through Uplay and then put it in Steam. I don't no, know. You no, guys no, with no, your newfangled do stuff, that. I don't know what we're doing. But. You whippersnappers. <laughs> Listen, you're the youngest of us, George. I know, really. <laughs> I don't feel like it. <laughs> uh, Corey, thanks for writing in and uh, we will continue to use your system uh, to gauge whether or not games are worth it and it was great to hear you uh, hear your voice on the show as well. Before we jump into the uh, meat of our show, a couple of items of business we want to talk about. Uh, since we've jumped into this whole media creation thing, the way that I look at YouTube differently, and I wondered if you two 
have had the same kind of feeling. It used to be, I used to just think of YouTube as it's this thing I look for if I need to figure out how to change the light bulb in a 43 Buick, you know? <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's amalgam of reference things and guys screaming at video games. And I thought that's what YouTube was. Yeah. It was like video Wikipedia for me. That was really all it was. Right. Yeah. And I still use it for that. Uh, but since we have started getting involved in creating content, I'm on the site more often. I'm subscribed to more people and watch. And I've seen this shift just really maybe in the last month or so that I probably spend more time watching content on YouTube than I do of the shows that I want to watch because there's so much good stuff on there. Have you guys kind of started to encounter this or are you still deep in your own media libraries? Yeah, absolutely. I Since we started doing all this, a couple of things I noticed. One is, yeah, I really just started putting just general things I'm interested in just to seeing what's out there for YouTubes. Yeah. And what you did kind of ruin me on is, you know, <laughs> All I could do now is like critique them mostly. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, what the hell? What type of camera do they do with that? How's that sound done? What, how did this what, get 10,000 views? How the hell do they, how the hell do they have 200,000 people watching this? You know? Right, right. Stevie Steve. Steve. <laughs> George, how about you? I think I have a slight different take on it, but not a lot. It's probably similar to most people out there with YouTube. It's not that I go out there looking for YouTube. I'm on YouTube for us, and so I'm yep. always doing the promotion side of what we do and everything with Twitter and all the other Twitters and all that Twitter stuff, whatever. <laughs> all the Twitters. All, all the, the Twitters. Twitters. So I'm doing that, but I will occasionally catch myself when one of the channels that I really like, like Retro Man Cave, we've talked a lot about them on the podcast. Mm -hmm. When I find that they release a new video, I'll watch that one, and then I'll look through my alerts and see... Of the other people I'm subscribed to, who else has released one? And I watch them all in like a bin session of probably like a couple of hours. And then I really don't go back and watch it very often because I'm so engrossed in the stuff that we do, plus trying to keep up with my own media consumption rate. You know, mm -hmm. got to feed the feed the addiction, so to speak. And feed the beast. Right? <laughs> yeah. But I do feel like Mo does that I watch this stuff sometimes and I'm like, holy crap, how does that guy have 800,000 subs <laughs> when he's the most boring piece of shit on the internet? Wow. And then, well, you, no names. I'm, you know who I'm talking about, but I see that like Mo said, and I'm, you know, I'm flabbergasted because I know the largest part of what's so good about what we do is what John does in the background. And you guys oh, out yeah. there... <laughs> <laughs> don't understand how John, uh, he's the creator of the channel. He's the guy who came up with the idea. But more than that, it's all the extra work with the editing and the video stuff and the audio stuff. But man, <laughs> does he take the crap that we give him and polish it into yeah, a diamond? Really? Yeah. I feel like a Ferris Bueller quote, you know, we stuck a lump of coal up his ass and in two weeks later he came out with a diamond. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, really what I think about yeah. when I watch YouTube. I think about a lump so of coal up John's ass. you tend to watch a super critical eye. Yeah. Oh, easy. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Well, before we jump into media, we do have to do one quick update on the Spring Blockbuster Challenge. <laughs> Infinity War has dropped. All right. It's, it's, is it real? Do we don't really need to talk about oh, we this? Do. Right? We oh, do. No, that sounds no, no, like we so do. do. I, I heard that. We, it was so a, yeah, do. we know it was an okay movie. We know it did moderately no. well. That's all we really care about, right? I, I think we really need to get into it now. I'm, I'm really starting to get jazzed. <laughs> $257.7 million Ooh, opening weekend crazy. domestic. I know. Nice. Worldwide. It was like 650. Wow. 84% on Rotten Tomatoes. 84%. Wow. 84. It was crazy. So of, of the four films in our Spring Blockbuster Challenge, two of them are out. Infinity War is first place. 
in both categories now. Now, John, just out of curiosity, remind me of who went that route and who didn't is probably the more important fact. Two of us <laughs> said this is going to be the number one moneymaker. Nice. And one of us did not. Ah. Wonder who that person was, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Wherever that was, was obviously really wrong. <laughs> hey, Mo, have you been to the bank to grab your quarter rolls yet? <laughs> I got them ready. Don't worry. <laughs> it's looking bad. It's probably now between between me and George, but the good news is it's also down to the people who submitted their entries and uh, somebody, one of our lucky viewers, is going to win a Gen X Grown Up t-shirt. Two films left. We have the uh, the Solo movie and we have Deadpool 2, both coming out in the next few weeks. Yes. That will wrap it up. All right, there's a lot of good stuff to talk about in media this week. The number one topic on most people's minds, if you're into the kind of genre and superhero stuff that we are. Pee-wee's Big Playhouse. Uh, okay, no? the second then. <laughs> okay. Damn it. Obviously, we're talking about Infinity War. Yay. Avengers Infinity War dropped. We are going to talk about it with spoilers. If you don't want to hear Infinity War spoilers, then you want to look down in the show notes. We will put the timestamp that you should jump forward to that will be when we're done talking about Infinity War. Or fast forward this podcast track to 20 minutes and 53 seconds, and you will have skipped all of our Infinity War talk. This is your last chance. If you don't want to hear it, jump forward now. I, I think they're gone. Are you sure? I think I they're gone. Are you sure? You guys still here? Okay. Uh, all right. Um, I mean, maybe they're with Mo getting the rolls of quarters. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's talk about Infinity War. I got my opinions. I'm sure we all have your opinions. We've all seen it. The only reason I wanted to do a spoiler included version is I think this was almost impossible to talk about. Without yeah. spoiling. There's just so much in this movie. I mean, how can we talk about it without bringing up details? I've had people say, what'd you think of it? And I'm like, mm-hmm, like, I don't want to say anything. You could technically talk about parts of this film without spoiling it, but there have already been so much out there about that. What's the point? We'd just be rehashing the same thing that That's right. a million yep. other podcasts and websites have already done. So we might as well jump right in and tell you our opinions, I think. Yeah. Yeah, let's jump right in. And George, I'm going to save you for last, the comic book expert. Let me All start right. with Mo. Talk to me about Infinity War. I really enjoyed it. Let's just start with that right off the bat. Okay. I think it delivers what they promised. I thought they did a pretty good job of taking just so many different characters and making one movie with all of them in it. Because I was trying, that was my biggest worry. It's like, how the hell are they going to, they got what, like 17 or 18 individual characters in this that are all important. My only, I don't say disappointment, but thing I was kind of odd was like, Captain America was weird in this one to me. Mm -hmm. Just because like, I mean, one, the beard thing kind of threw me a little bit, but <laughs> his character, like I, I thought he got actually very little airtime compared to the other characters. Yeah, he was kind of a non-player almost. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me tell you. So, Mo, you enjoyed it. Great. I'm really torn. Uh -oh. I walked out of this film feeling exactly the way I felt walking out of Back to the Future 2. Yeah. Oh, okay. Actually, I, I have to give you that. All yeah. right. Okay. I think I know where you're going. I enjoyed that film until we got to the ending, and then I felt like, well, shit, I just watched a two-hour trailer for the next movie, didn't I? <laughs> and that's how I felt coming out of Infinity War. It was good. It was quality. The action was great. The dialogue yeah. was great. I mean, the whole thing that makes the, the MCU so much better than DC is that it's about the characters and their interaction. Loved all that. But and, and, and don't even, it's not like I want a happy ending. It's not that. I don't care that Thanos won. That's okay. The point is that if I didn't know how important these characters were in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and what big moneymakers they are, I know they're not all dead. 
I know they're not. Now, at the moment they are, but I know they're going to fix this somehow, whatever it is. They might use it as a, as a way to, you know, to Doctor Who some of them and put new actors in the characters <laughs> or whatever that may be. But <laughs> at the end of the day, I, I know the real world outside of the movie, and I know they're not just going to kill all these characters because these actors have contracts, because they're going to be back. So I'm just like, well, you just left me hanging for a year or two until I get to see how it wraps up. So yeah. that left a bad taste in my mouth. It wasn't that I was sad or crying or that I thought it was a bad movie. I just walked out feeling like I paid for a trailer. I felt like we saw the first two and a half hours of a five hour movie. Yeah, I felt that way. So. All right. So we've had our piece. George, comic book aficionado, correct us. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm not going to correct you because you're not wrong. OK. Uh, this is absolutely about a little bit past the halfway point in Infinity Gauntlet. That this is all based on, right? Yeah. This is all kind of based in that same area. I mean, there's some differences, obviously, but that's the heart and the meat of the story comes from Infinity Gauntlet. When you're talking about the, you know, you felt like you paid for the trailer. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. There's more story to go. There's a lot of retconning that needs to be done. You know, characters that will have reintroductions and things of that nature. Those weren't my problems with the film. I understood that it was virtually impossible to fit this entire storyline in one film. They didn't market it that way, and I'm kind of happy they didn't because I'm kind of over the whole thing of, well, we're filming three movies back-to-back and we're going to split them up and we're going to release them all within a week or two of each other, whatever they do with those things. I like that they didn't let us know. the Deathly Hollows or something from Harry Potter. They did that sort of, right? Yeah. At least this way, you kind of didn't see it coming yeah but i think it was smart on their part because it's definitely going to bring a large part of that audience back to watch the second one now you talked a little bit about the real world and the actors with contracts and everything i want to point out two key facts that a lot of people out there probably already read that are listening there are two main guys that everybody's worried about that their characters will stay dead and that's robert downey jr's tony stark Mm -hmm. and chris evans captain america who you guys talked a little bit about They've both kind of gone back and forth in the press with different interviews and everything. Currently, it seems as though Robert Downey Jr. is done in Marvel. And I'm sure he doesn't need the money anymore. But Tony Stark lived, right? Didn't he live? He did live. Yep. And so he's going to have to play at least one or two more. But in the next one, there's a definite possibility of that being reverse. And Doctor Strange pointed out that in the mm-hmm. one scenario that they won... In that scenario, Tony Stark had to live. That was that was right. the thing, is kind of what they alluded to. That's why he saved him. Yeah, there was that line that this was the only way. Yep. When he said that, everybody was like, oh, what does that mean? He, he said before that, if I have to sacrifice you and Spider-Man to save the stone, I'll kill you guys in a heartbeat. He will. But then he reversed right. that, yep. and it's because he had that vision quest that he went on and saw all the mm-hmm. different possibilities, and this was the one he had to do. Yeah, which suggests that Iron Man needs to be there to ultimately beat Thanos, and if he right. were to die, it would not be the one successful universe. Now, I want to get back to Chris Evans. Chris Evans has waffled in the press two different ways. Number one, he said he's kind of done with the Captain America role, but more recently... He has said, and the statement I believe is, I'll continue to play Captain America until they fire me. (laughs) (laughs) So he's been playing it for a while. So it appears that he wants to continue with the role and he would be a very hard person to recast as would Tony Stark. You either have to kill the character and never go back to it unless you're going to pay him crazy amounts of money for a flashback scene or something later on. That was one of my bigger problems with the film were the people that they let survive versus the people they killed off. Because in the Infinity Gauntlet book, none of the superheroes died. At the midway point, they were all still there fighting Thanos. And later on, believe it or not, the person who ended up 
taking the gauntlet away from Thanos in the Infinity Gauntlet was Nebula, of all people. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, she's still alive, right? She is still alive. There's a lot of fan speculation right now on Gamora herself as to whether or not she's really dead or if her soul is trapped inside the Soul Stone because that was a sacrifice that was needed. Someone said that final scene at the end of the film, uh, the young Gamora, that very well may have been taking place inside of the Soul Stone, I read. It very well could be. I love that they left it in that halfway point because there's no way to do the whole story in one film. If anybody out there hasn't read Infinity Gauntlet yet, go read that series. It's out there for free on uh, Comixology right now. Oh, really? Yeah, it's probably one of the best series that I've read in a while. And it was the first and I think only series so far that I've given five tokens to. That's right. That is Infinity War. I still feel like we haven't talked about it because it's only the halfway point. This feels like an intermission, like we're out <laughs> getting popcorn talking about it. <laughs> Before we leave it, there's one more thing that I want to mention. It's a really cool website that I found. Since half the people in the universe were killed, if you will go to your website and go to did Thanos kill dot me? It will tell you whether or not you were killed or not. Oh, you're kidding me. That's nope. awesome. Nope. And uh, you can't just hit refresh. I think it goes off of your MAC address or something or your IP. Once you go to it, you'll find out whether you died or not. I'll tell you that Thanos did kill me. I was sacrificed for the universe. Well, now I got to keep resetting my VPN until I survive. You will have to. So uh, if you want to find out whether or not you are dead in the uh, MCU uh, due to the activities in Infinity War. You can go to didthanoskill.me. That's all it is. There's nothing else on the page. It'll just come up and tell you whether you're dead or not. That's all. That's awesome. <laughs> That's Infinity War. Here is where we will have people come back and join the show if they left and didn't want to hear spoilers. So welcome back to those of you that fast forwarded. Maybe once you've seen the film, you can come back and hear some more about Infinity War and what we thought about it. Right now, though, we're going to move ahead. Mo, a new season of a show that we've talked about on the show before just came out. Oh, yeah. The Expanse. I don't know if you guys oh, have caught right. any of it. Yep, we've talked about um, They're on season three. I'm still really just digging this show. It's kind of like a space opera kind of thing, I guess you would call it. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of political things and there's like a war between Earth and Mars that's totally fabricated and, and there's a lot of politics involved and stuff. So to me, it, I think the third season is definitely keeping up to the quality of the first two. And I was kind of curious where they're going to go because after the second season, you know, the proto-life thing was on Venus and blah, blah, blah. They're managing to keep the story going pretty well. I haven't watched any of season three yet, Mo. I've been, I think I'm going to wait till it's all out and then binge it because it's a good show, but it's one of those that if I have to wait a week in between, it'll drive me crazy. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> this is yeah. not one of those Netflixy ones that they all just drop and you can binge no, them, right? No, it's this a is, sci-fi. Yeah, you have to wait for that. Yeah, this is like on actual or cable. Siffy yeah, or right? whatever you call it. <laughs> so season three of Expanse is out and it's uh, worth your time, according to Mo. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one that did drop full whole cloth and George, you have binged it. I have. On a completely different platform than the one we talked about before. It's on YouTube Red. Yep. And that's uh, Cobra Kai, right? Absolutely. Anyone out there who is listening to a Gen X grown up podcast, I'm hoping that you were alive during Mm -hmm. the Gen X era and you caught (laughs) one of arguably the greatest films of 1982, The Karate Kid. Yeah, you bet. Wax on, wax off, brother. That's right. And I'm not talking about the diminishing returns, Jackie Chan remake crap that happened in the millennial era. Although I love Jackie Chan. Gotta love him. It's another one of those impressive films that just shouldn't have been a Karate Kid film, right? Kung Fu Kid. But we're talking about the real one. I found out about this series about a year ago at Megacon, Ralph Macchio and William Zabka, they were hosting a panel. After the panel was over, I spent a couple of minutes just talking with William Zabka, and he mentioned that they were going to be working on this new project together based on the original film. I was all excited, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. You're going to go back to those characters? He's like, yeah, it's going to be in current days, so it's, you know, 30 years plus from the original set of events. As it is. We're going to talk about all the different things that happened in my life and in 
Daniel LaRusso's life. And man, have they nailed every single aspect of that film. Right down to the songs that the William Zabka, Johnny, the Johnny Lawrence yeah. character. Yeah, yeah. That he, <laughs> the music that he listens to. I mean, we're talking about REO Speedwagon and Rat and Queen. <laughs> cool. All that kind of stuff. Man, it's really good. And he drives a Pontiac Firebird that's red, the T-tops. <laughs> of course he does. You oh, know. Does that have a big Firebird on the hood? or? <laughs> he's gone the bad route, as you would imagine. He's a drop-down drunk who's walked away from his wife and kid. Daniel LaRusso. So, hand to God, is a very successful car salesman. I saw that in the trailer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he owns like a whole bunch of car dealerships all over the area. They've reversed roles. John Lawrence now lives in Reseda. Oh, wow. And yeah. Daniel LaRusso lives in Encino, which, you know, in the film, it was yeah. the other way around, the rich versus the oh, poor. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, Johnny really didn't want to be the bad guy, though. I mean, he was ordered by his sensei to sweep the leg. He he, he questioned him, right? Right for the last second. I mean, there was definitely a moral conscious thing that happened. But I mean, right. there's all so the he stuff before he that. Like he was a bullying. They explain the whole mentality of his reason for bullying Daniel Larusso. That's cool. All right, and they do it so well. Oh, awesome! Yeah. You know, I'll t- I was on the bubble of seeing this, but you, no. uh, you pushed me over the ledge. Pop the bubble and put on a gi <laughs> and jump right in on the mat for the All Valley Karate Championship. Watch this. They're 30 minute episodes. There's 10 of them right now. We can stop the podcast recording so you can go watch it. It's that <laughs> I'll good. get to it after the show. It's okay. <laughs> All yeah. right, fair enough. We got time. And Mo, this is right in your wheelhouse. You did the Diminishing Returns on Karate oh, Kid. Yeah. So obviously one of your favorite films. Oh, I love that movie. I mean, uh, Ralph Macchio and Pat Morita. I mean, they were just yeah. amazing in that movie. Yeah. So I assume you're going to check it out as well, yeah? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Before we jump out of media, there's one more thing that I last second remembered I wanted to do. We talked about we were looking forward to the new season of Westworld, and Westworld has spun up now. Oh, yeah. Woo. Yes, it has. Yeah. And want to see what you guys think of it. Love it. Yeah, there's just, what, two episodes right now, right? Uh, Two, yeah. I watched the second one last night, I think. <sighs> Westworld? Yeah. Wow. It's kind of a yawner. Really? Kind what? of a yawner for me. Oh, shut up. You gotta be kidding me. It didn't grab me. Everything I liked about Westworld wasn't there. I mean, this is... The first season of Westworld was intrigue and it was mystery and it's what's going on in the, you know, in the real world, what's going on inside of the park and everything. And this is just like, it's like the rebels and the Alliance. It's just this militia of robots fighting the army of, there's nothing, the, the mystery world is gone. It's all just the aftermath from closing down the park. I don't feel the same spark. I didn't even finish the first episode of the second season. Couldn't get through it. Wow. wow. Well, now, I don't think you've given it a fair shake yet then. To John's, I think, John, you make some good points, though, because in a way, it's almost like they totally just blew their wad on the first season, right? I mean... In, in a good way. I mean, it was amazing. Loved the first oh, season. Oh, it was amazing, yeah. but they they could have, I think, stretched some of it out. Okay, so all of them become sentient at this point, and because really now they kind of are getting away from the Westworld aspect of it. It's, it's the ethics of these robots in this new world. Yeah, it just felt like a big war movie to me that just so happened to be people versus robots. Oh, man. And I'm like, it doesn't feel like Westworld to me. I, I'm sorry. I got to call bullshit on the two of you. Call it all you want. Did you want them to tie up that entire storyline in the first like five minutes of the episode and then go back to what they were no they had to they have to play this out it's not that i think the second season is bad it's that the second season is so not what i fell in love with in the first season none of that is really present anymore that's not what i tuned in for maybe they painted themselves into a corner with the last episode of season one then because once they went the route of dolores shooting him in the back of the head there was, there was nowhere, nowhere else, else to, go. to go so yeah, yeah absolutely really. i think you're right which you is know. why I was intrigued to see where it went, and I've been disappointed with where 
they went. Yeah, I don't think they could have gone anywhere else. I'm liking it so far, obviously. Maybe it's just the nature of the beast. Yeah, if you watch the rest of episode one and episode two especially, there's a lot of that timeline back and forth. So maybe that'll give you that feeling again. Maybe so. They okay. just didn't get to it they in the first half of the first episode. Could yeah. have been. Maybe they were just busy tidying up. All right. Yeah. I'll see if I can give another shot, though. For my bride. I love smoked sausage. Your mother told me that. That's not Eckridge. What? I like Eckridge smoked sausage. Your mother didn't tell me that. Could you use a helping hand on your next electronics project? Quad Hands is the ultimate third hand helping hands vice and hobby station. The first thing you'll notice is how heavy a quad hands is. It's made from solid steel and then coated with a baked on powder coat for a durable finish. And the rubber feet are gonna keep it from sliding on your bench and give you a nice sturdy work surface. Those flexible all metal gooseneck arms feature rotating alligator clips to hold your boards and wires firmly in place. And removable silicone covers come pre-installed on those clips to protect those delicate wires and boards. And those arms can be put anywhere you need them. No fumbling around with awkward joints that are difficult to position. The quad hands was designed to help you do your best work it's built to last right here in the USA and backed by a lifetime guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Order yours today from Amazon or quadhands.com. Gen X Grown Up podcast listeners can save 20%. Just use offer code 20GENXUP. That's 20GENXUP. For your next project, let a quad hands hold what your hands create. So let's move on to our one of our favorite segments, which is, of course, Tech toys. Woo! Yeah. Yay. Could be anything from toys to gadgets to software to whatever that we enjoy. Yeah, off anything. With, right? um, I can tell you right now that I had a deficit of tech toys this last couple weeks, so I really have nothing Aww. to add here. PGA Aww. Tour but didn't I know, have anything for you this week at the office? Uh, we got something in, but I didn't get a chance to play with it yet. Ah, so, okay. <laughs> oh, of course. All right. <laughs> On that note, but I know, George, you definitely have something that was pretty cool. You know, cool to us. Uh, I'm not sure how broad of an appeal it'll have to our listeners, but... Way to sell it. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's why I'm, Ooh, the I'm so guy. intrigued right now. Edge of their seats. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no. We do a lot on YouTube. That was where we started. That's where my heart is with us. I love the podcast and everything too, but YouTube is where our base was originally. Mm -hmm. And we are trying to do better on getting our videos out there in front of our viewers. One way that we're doing that is we're trying to use different tools that help us with things like search engine optimization. I didn't even know that was a damn thing six months ago. SEO. Now you're now the king I'm of it. I'm learning all about <laughs> SEO, right? The tool that we're currently using is called VidIQ. The one thing that I'm struggling with is understanding now that I use the tool is how to use it properly. Like, I feel like I've got a hammer mm -hmm. and I know that I'm supposed to hit a nail, but do I swing hard? Do I swing slow? You know, do I hit mm. it on the side? Do I, uh, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to best use the tool. So I was hoping that maybe some of our fourth listeners out there yeah. might have some experience with SEO, vidIQ, and can reach out to us and give us a little crash course, so to speak, to help us further the YouTube channel a little bit more. Well, there you go. Yeah, vidIQ is, uh, it's beyond a hammer. It's a whole toolbox of stuff, and it, it gives you so many great tools and options that you can use, and it's it could be pretty overwhelming, no question. Yeah, even the free version, if anybody out there has a YouTube channel, is great. The free version gives you stats on your channel way better than the YouTube analytics, gives you a few little basic tools that they have. If you go up to the paid versions, then you start getting 
things like keyword search tools and automatic ads and copy keywords and all kinds of craziness. Uh, score rankings for each keyword and man, title help, description, thumbnails. I just keep my head down and edit, man. That stuff is over my head. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, if any of you out there have used vidIQ or you are expert in SEO, want to give us a hand, drop us a line. We would certainly appreciate your input and your wisdom. We'll take all comers and advice. <laughs> uh, we welcome and appreciate it. There we yeah, go. Now, always more to learn. John, I reviewed the next tech tool. It's early version. But you've got the I, next you tech did. toy. You've got the new 2018 version that just came out. That's right. On YouTube, you did a review. I think I want to talk about that, right? Yeah, you did a review of the Zoom H1, a handheld microphone thing. And I am in the midst of preparing a review of the new one called the Zoom H1N. N. Lowercase N on the end. I don't know why, <laughs> what that stands for. <laughs> new. Right, new. <laughs> it's just kind of like the iPhone 6 versus iPhone 6S. I guess they had the Zoom H1 and the H1N. It's just a new version of this. So we all have this great Yeti microphone they used on the desk. And uh, you had said, I'm going to buy this little handheld Zoom microphone. It's well-respected amongst audiophiles all over the world that love this Zoom H1. But I'm like, I don't need that. I have the Yeti. I've got a good lav mic. I got all this. It's going to hurt. It's going to, okay, muster my strength. George was right. Hey! <laughs> no! George was right. No! So there, Man, that's been 30 very... years in the making, folks. <laughs> It was, was that one like one of the signs of the apocalypse? Yes, sir. The fifth seal oh. has just been broken. I just threw up a little. Oh, <laughs> no, no. Very honestly, I found that there's a very real need to not only have a really good, heavy, professional desk mic, but I'm starting to see the need to have a really good, super portable microphone. And because I didn't want to, George to get all the gratification of me agreeing with him, I decided I better get the better version of what he has. So wow. We could be able to oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Anyway, the Zoom H1 is a handheld portable device. I've barely used it, but I did pick it up. You can always go back on the YouTube channel. You can see a review of the Yeti. You can see George's review of the Zoom H1. And within the next week or so, you should expect to drop an updated review of the Zoom H1N. What's it like? What does it sound like? What are the advantages over the uh, Zoom H1, the original one that George has? And is it worth upgrading if you already have the older version? George. So I will let you know. There's a different price point involved with the new one, right? Just a shade. Yeah, it's probably 20% more expensive, but I mean, it's the new version right. too. The good news is we now have two of them in our arsenal when we go on the road on road trips. It's, uh, I agree. I see the need for it. I picked one up and I'll have a review for it on the channel before too long. Yay. Wow. I still can't get over George being right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I, I need a moment. <laughs> Compose your thoughts. Yeah, that's, that's a lot to take in. My favorite heroes are Spider-Man, my Uncle Fred. My favorite heroes are Wonder Woman and my mama. My favorite heroes are the Hulk and Great Aunt Molly. Underoos, they even come out heroes against warm water and detergents. Games, 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 John, were you last time that we should not have George introduce this segment? I love it. It's my new ringtone. That's right. Yes. We all play games, right? We're Gen Xers. We started the video game movement, the revolution in arcades and home game systems with the Atari 2600. And now we're still playing games as we're older. Mo. I know you've got a game yeah. or two that you want to talk about. 
thrill oh, us absolutely. with your prose on the subject. Please do. Okay. Wow, what an intro. I don't know how I can live up to that. <laughs> you know, go in your Wayback Machines and go back to the time when... Did you guys ever play like those hex map kind of board games? Oh, sure. Oh, you yeah. Battle techy okay. kind of things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, they were just kind of coming out when we were growing up, but they were like strategic games and you're moving your tanks and you have to move on this hex map and it's mountains. Axis and, and allies stuff. and stuff right. like yeah, that. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I found two games that are computerized versions of those games. Okay. Okay. One was called Ogre. I don't know if you ever heard of that one. Mm. That was uh, actually an original Steve Jackson game. Oh, oh okay. And an okay. Ogre is like this massive, just huge tank, like just building size, literally. Oh, wow. And so it's usually one person has the Ogre and the other players would have like a thousand tanks that would just get destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> and you hoped your last tank did the killing shot and then you won. <laughs> oh, so they have a computerized version of that, which is exactly like playing the board game. Like there's a hex map on the screen. I like those. You move the pieces. And so you're, you're really getting the feel for playing the original game. When you say exactly like in a good way or in a bad way? I think it's, 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 oh yeah, it's definitely good. I mean, it's, okay. it's, um, so it's faithful. You mean it's faithful to the original for okay. sure. So then there's a second game called, I don't know if you guys heard of one called Battletech. It was, uh, oh, yeah. that's what I, I have heard of, right? It. Yeah. 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 So this is Absolutely. another one I found that's a computerized version. And this one though, tries to take that hex map strategy but make it more realistic so it is still turn-based and all that stuff but in a way the fact that they're trying to make it so oh we're going to show you 3d shots of this person and you know your mechs moving around and all that stuff and the gameplay is fun don't get me wrong but I don't know if it was necessary. Oh, really? Okay. To, to make it a fun game because I, oh, I have just as much fun playing Ogre, which I look at that. It's like a hex map and I have my little tokens I move around. It's just as enjoyable to me. So it kind of takes some little bit of imagination out of it in a way. But I thought they were both very similar games because they're both kind of remakes or computerized versions of games I played when I was younger. Wow. So where are you playing these? On Steam or? Uh, yeah, they're both on Steam. Okay. Okay. What about the Corys? We need to make sure we get our Corys out of these games. <laughs> Ogre, God, I'm trying to remember how much it was. Uh, I'm definitely going to get my quarries out of them, both of these, I think. Um, just because they're games you could always go back to and play. Okay. Like, you know, oh, I feel like doing something. I'm going to play a round of Ogre. Is there multiplayer available in this? Like, can we play? Uh, yeah, both, actually. Okay. What surprises me is you say they're both very similar, and yet you're putting a lot of time into both of them. You know, I usually find when I find a couple of similar games, one wins out over the other, and the other falls by the wayside. But that's not the case here. They're different enough, huh? Yeah, they're different enough. And like I said, right now, Battletech is one that just came out, so I'm kind of focusing on that one. Okay. But, okay. But, you know, like said, every hotness. now and then, like, you know, if I have an hour to kill and I don't have anything particular I'm playing, you know, I'll crank up an ogre map and no. play a round of that. George, how about you? What have you been playing? You guys have been really killing my arthritis with all these damn phone game suggestions lately, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. John gave me one, too. That's just, just, <laughs> You are welcome. Yeah. You know, what was that UFO one, John? The one that I bought right on the, the Part-time UFO. Part-time UFO. Yeah, man. Fortunately, the last one I think that Mo was talking about was on the iPhone, but I'm getting all this arthritis issues and everything, so I said, you know what? I'm going to spread the love and find an Android game that I can, you know, suggest for the channel and you guys can get your fingers sore on the same thing. It's called Snake versus Block. Oh, have I seen this? I, maybe, I don't know. It sounds familiar. All right. The game is pretty straightforward. You start off with a little snake and he's, you know, three or four links long and you run over numbers and it's a vertical scroller. So you're kind of moving up the screen. You try and run through numbers to increase the links in your snake. But as you move up the screen, there are blocks in your way. Oh no, this is the one where you hit the numbered blocks and they take your pieces yes, away. Exactly. Oh shit. 
Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess you played this one. And you know, of course, there's like bars that prevent you from going left or right if you get in a channel and then you're screwed and everything. Oh man. And I wasn't sure at first. Like I thought it was more of a survival game, like how long you could survive was the higher score, but no, it's how many blocks you knock down. Oh, I misunderstood. Is what then. increases your score. So if you knock down a two block or a five block, the five block guy gets a higher score because he gets five points versus the two block uh, guy gets two points. I thought it was an endless runner thing like you said but it's that's not the point no and there's also challenges that they have like uh, i played one of the challenges and it was knock down three doors of 10 or more oh so you gotta be really long to do that yeah exactly and you gotta the nice thing about the game i found it's extremely responsive so moving your snake left and right like with the old style joysticks or anything you know he'd move right. one pixel or one segment at a time mm -hmm. but this being a phone game and using the tactile response with your finger it's very fluid i'm in love with the game i'll sit there and play it for 10 or 20 minutes while my boss is standing over my shoulder. <laughs> I don't care if I get fired or not. It struck me as a pretty simple game that it could have been on the 2600, but like you said, it would have had to have been a paddle game, not a joystick game. You need yeah, a yeah quick a paddle game is the only way it could have done, right. Yeah, I, I did a trial of it, and I, uh, I, so I think it's one there's a lot of clones of, too. I've seen a bunch of going around that have similar mechanics to that. And this might be a clone of somebody else's, for all Snake I know. Snake versus block. All right. Like Snake versus block. Okay. All right, I guess I'll have to download that. John, have you got something that you're going to talk about? And I do. Piss me I have a quick again? thing I will share. Yeah, I don't All think right. I'll piss anybody off. No, no. All right. Okay. It's what I'm going to share. You're going to share. <laughs> it might make you both jealous, but I know it's going to make Mo jealous, especially. Oh. Okay. I'm sure you saw on the channel I did the YouTube video reviewing the Space Invaders dice game, right? This is an yes. analog yeah. version Very of Space Invaders. Mm -hmm. right. Pretty decent mm -hmm. job. And in the comments to that, one of our viewers said, hey, this reminds me of this other game I'd never heard of. So, of course, I went straight to eBay. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Found it, ordered it, got it today. Oh. It is a Parker Brothers card game from 1983 based on Qbert. Oh. oh. <laughs> You're right. Qbert's the game. It's like brand new. It has both little decks of cards in it, all the, the Qbert, the, the pyramid pieces, the coily, the green bobs, all those things. And you have little stand-up like Qbert and coily figures that are on these heavy cardboard stock, never been punched out. Like brand wow. new. Wow. In the game, what you're doing is you're actually building Qbert's pyramid on the table out of the cards. And I've yet to play it, just got it in the mail, but I couldn't get it and not talk about it because I know what a lunatic that Mo is over Qbert. Oh, yeah. He's better than yeah. me for sure, and it probably better than all of us. Oh, well, yeah. Mo is to Qbert like John is to Donkey Kong, or I am to Galaga. You're to Galaga. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Qbert is Mo's game. And so it's what I look forward to sharing with you guys. I don't know if I want to punch out the. Uh, the little stand-up things. I want to keep them intact. Well, that'd be a tough Maybe call, have to use it? pennies or something instead. But, <laughs> and I would be remiss if I didn't send a thank you to the viewer who left the message, Kun Mong. I believe I'm pronouncing your name right. If I'm not, I apologize. But I appreciate you mentioning this Qbert card game. You cost me 20 bucks, but by golly, I have it now. <laughs> you better spell that out because I'm sure you didn't pronounce that right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Q-U-N-M-A-N-G. Kun Mong. Q-U-N-M-A-N-G. You got it. Thank you, Kun Mong. Appreciate the comment, and uh, we now have a Qbert to play. So there we go. Woohoo! I made you, you know it's true. Mr. Potato Head, I made you. I say it's nothing else to. Mr. Potato Head, I made you.
now we are at that part of the show where we talk about what we're looking forward to. And I can tell yes. you guys right now that I am looking forward to Deadpool 2. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. You know, before we recorded, I was rewatching the first Deadpool because I was thinking about that coming out soon. I just rewatched it yeah. two nights ago. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. I think it's going to be as good, if not better, than the first one. Just from looking at, I mean, just the trailers are cracking They me look up, amazing. You know? Yeah. Yep. And I know from the first movie, you know, it's not one of those trailers where you're like, okay, I saw the whole movie. You see, that's just like a taste of what you're going to get in the movie, I think. I think so. So I'm yep. definitely looking forward to it. I reread an old Deadpool series called If Looks Could Kill. It was Deadpool versus Cable. Mm-hmm. There's a line in one of the panels in there where Deadpool is talking to somebody else and he's like, look at this face. I look like Ryan Reynolds with pudding all over him. <laughs> <laughs> and this was like five years before the Deadpool wow. movie one came out. So I don't know wow. how oh, that happened, funny. but it was just a really weird thing. And I'm like, no way. Really? Uh, so geez. yeah, I'm absolutely looking forward to Deadpool 2. I bought my tickets five minutes after they opened. I'll tell you something I'm looking forward to is a new film coming out on HBO based on a book that my uh, high school English teacher tried to force me to read and I didn't read. But I did circle back and read it later in life. Fahrenheit 451. Oh, oh okay. wow. I've heard the story. I've never read the book. I didn't hear All about right. this one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. great book. Educate me this. What's this story about? I just know the title. That's all I know. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. Fahrenheit 451, that is the temperature at which paper spontaneously combusts. Okay. And the reason that's important is because this is set in the near future where books are outlawed yep. oh. and firemen, I'm using air quotes here, are the people who go out and hunt down and destroy these books because they're dangerous to the state. Oh, okay. It's like a dystopian future, government controlling everything. I got you. And then one of the firemen, uh, in this case, played by Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan from Black Panther? Yep. Okay. He goes back and he starts looking in history books and he goes, I I saw somewhere that original firemen put out fires. Could this be true? No, no. That's just hearsay. That's just scuttlebutt. And he starts to question what he's doing as a fireman and whether or not this is the right way to go. Oh, he's a fireman. Okay. He is. So Fahrenheit 451 drops May 19th. It'll be out shortly. Something I'm really looking forward to happen between now and the next show. Oh, wow. That sounds very cool. Sounds like I might have enough time to read the book before it comes out. Then that's good. I think you probably could. It's not a big book, actually. It's a pretty quick read. It's like a really fat short story. It's not that long. Okay, cool. It's it's not an epic. George, how about you? What are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to something that I hope all of us are looking forward to. We are on our way to Megacon in Orlando, Florida this year. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. We're going to have a table. We're going to have a booth. We are possibly going to have some celebrity interviews. Oh, that's right. Not just at Megacon. We are doing Megacon. That's right. We're, we're doing it, man. <laughs> <laughs> Why not go to Megacon this time as an artist and have an artist table and spread the Gen X gospel? You bet. So we're going to be there. We'll be yeah. there working all four or five days, whatever long it is. That's right. Wait, wait a minute. People are going to meet us in person? Yeah, they can. They can meet us in real life. Oh my God. (laughs) They say, don't meet your heroes. Be careful. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, wow, what you sound like and what you look is not the same. That's right. They'll they'll know I'm ugly just for my voice. (laughs) That won't be a problem. You know, we're mainly using it as a tool to promote ourselves as well as some of our sponsors who are going to be taking care of us for our expenses for the trip, yep. which is really nice. I'm just over the moon looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm amped yeah, for it. Me too. And any of our listeners, if you're going to be at Megacon in Orlando. Yeah, stop by, say hi, right? Yeah, swing yeah. by. Doesn't add up, Sam. Yeah, this is chocolate and caramel, but how could it be crunchy? Crunchy. Oh, sweetheart, we're going to blow the lid off this cake. There's something hidden here inside this Twix bar. 
If anything in this episode has piqued your interest, we've put links in the show notes you can click on to find out more. Catch up on past shows and be alerted every week when a new one drops by subscribing to us in Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, TuneIn, iTunes, or wherever you like to listen. While in iTunes, take a second to rate and review the show. And if you have a friend who isn't yet listening, why not? Tell them about us. They'll thank you later. We'd love to hear from our fourth listener, so email your thoughts, suggestions, questions, ideas, or complaints on this or any other episode to podcast at genxgrownup.com. And finally, Gen X Grown Up is so much more than just this podcast. You can also find our video content on YouTube or explore our entire body of work on our website at genxgrownup.com. That is going to wrap it up for episode 20 of the Gen X Grown Up podcast. Guys, thanks for being here. Yes, sir. Nope, absolutely, man. Always fun. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode of our show, and in one week, as you know for sure, with our backtrack. The backtrack next week is going to be all about photography, growing up as a Generation Xer. We're talking about buying film. We're talking about getting it developed. We're talking about flash cubes, all those things before you had a camera in your pocket to take tons of photos. And we're going <laughs> to dig in deep on that topic. <laughs> for all of us here, I'm John. Mo, thanks for being here. Always a fun time, man. And George. Yes, sir. And fourth listener, we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. See you guys. No life, no fun. Don't you know that you're a grown up? No games, no puns. Basically, life sucks as a grown up. This podcast is an affiliate of the GWW Radio Network. Visit Geeks Worldwide at thegww.com for news, reviews, and opinions on video games, comics, TV, cosplay, and more. Now we're up to that... I'm oh, sorry, say again. <laughs> I threw him for a loop. <laughs> I know, it's like, now he's like, my whole temple's off. And the Easter egg is formed. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> right in Moe's mouth. Ace. <laughs> What was it like to be there for historical sports moments and unforgettable performances? To be behind the scenes? On PressBox Access, you'll hear from me, Todd Jones, and other sports writers about their experiences with the greatest athletes, coaches, and sports events of the past half century. We'll share some stories behind the stories, some big, some small, and some we've only told each other. Let us buy you around on PressBox Access. 